Well, this morning, we are continuing our series on We Believe. I believe, I believe there's only one more week, so. <laughs> uh, but uh, we believe, and today we're going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit. Um, what we believe is very important for us to know. You know, if you don't know what you believe, how are you no- going to know what to stand for? And why do you stand for it? So the beliefs that we have, we want to make sure that they are fundamental truths of Scripture, that they are fundamental to the New Testament, to the teachings of Christ, which are um, continued on through the Old Testament. You know, most of the time we would maybe say, well, let's start with the Ten Commandments. Well, sometimes people say, well, we don't study the Old Testament. That's all done away with. No, Jesus said that he, he, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law, but that uh, I, have, I have not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. So whenever we're reading the prophecies, and we spoke about that in Sunday school, um, Isaiah, uh, it, Isaiah wrote a number of things about Christ and about his death, uh, his life, death, and resurrection. And uh, some have entitled the book of Isaiah the fifth gospel. So he is a great prophet who was very in touch with what God wanted to do with his people, and for the Messiah that would come. So we believe the scriptures to be infallible. We believe them to be divinely inspired word of God. We believe that God is one God, three distinct, yet one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is divine. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the sinless life of Jesus. We believe in that he died for the sins of the people. And we know that we believe that he rose from the dead. So we find that all these beliefs are very central to, you know, putting them into a package, so to speak, of what uh, is entailed with our belief system. Well, we believe that sin is an immoral act. There is sin, that which is uh, considered wrong in the, in the sight of God. The intent is evil, and the intent to do wrong is a sin. Uh, and so it breaks God's law. What God says to do, and we don't do it, to him it is sin. And so God has a, a way of letting us know uh, what is sinful and what isn't. But there are three motives. If you think about what sin is, sin is breaking the law of God. So there's three motives that uh, can be um, singled out that would be sinful. One of them is pride. Now, we have to understand there is a healthy pride. You know, it, you know, it, it isn't like you want to live. <laughs> I remember um, a preacher was talking about someone in his church. Now, it's not here. It's not me. It's not me preaching. It's another preacher, okay? He was talking about how this uh, individual kept coming to him and saying, well, you know, God needs to get me a new car. God needs to get me a new car. And a, and a preacher said, yeah. But finally, the, the pastor said to him, he said, why don't you clean up the one you got? It looks like a, you know, you know garbage truck going down the road. <laughs> you, have to ta- you have to have pride in what you have in order to basically have pride in what you're going to get. If you don't like what you have, you're not going to like what you get. Okay? So there is a healthy pride that has a positive slant, that is looking to what is good. It is, um, it honors God. You know, <coughs> used to laugh at my, um, uh, Brad used to laugh at my yard, you know, because I had it all striped and, 
he said, there's, a, there's sin in the pastor's yard. And he goes, what? He says, there's a dandelion down there. I saw one dandelion. <laughs> okay. So there was sin in his yard. So, but the idea is, you know, in my just whatever, it's like, okay, God, does this look good to you? <laughs> I liked it to be perfect. And um, it was not perfect. It had its flaws. Somebody walked on it. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, pride then is, you know, having, having a sense of well-being and sense of, of good. The wrong pride is when we do or say things for the purpose of seeking people to praise us, not only to, you know, it's not wrong to receive praise. Now, if we can't give compliments, that we generally we can't receive them. So being able to receive compliments is just as necessary as us being able to give them. It's a, it's a give and take. People who only want compliments to the point that it makes them look better than other people, that's pride. Now, if you're, if you're first, you know, you are better than other people, but it doesn't mean, you know, that you have a false pride or a, um, a sense of ill will. The ill will is, I am better than everybody else, you know. And, but the glory in the Christian's life belongs to God. So we look at the fall of Satan. That was pride. Satan was the most lovely, most powerful angel, created being, in heaven. And what happened is Satan became prideful. He wanted the angels to worship him instead of God. So he didn't defer the worship or gratitude to God. He desired it for himself. And, of course, God allowed that to take place until it had all finished the, where it was going and he kicked them out. <laughs> it's like, okay, you've had enough, get out. And he threw, threw them into hell. So pride is, can be a, a, a touchy subject, but it's okay to be prideful in doing things well, to dress well, you know. Uh, we'll go on. It was often... Um, I, I don't know, I just think that pride sometimes was something that was uh, misunderstood. Well, you're proud. Well, I mean, you know, you're just too proud of your, your yard or your house or your car or whatever. Well, let's make it a dump. What does that mean? <laughs> so, anyhow, we don't want it to be a dump. Is that understood? Okay. <laughs> Not that you have a dump. So the second one is rebellion. At this rate, I'll never get through. So <laughs> rebellion. Rebellion is as sinful as, according to 1 Samuel 20, 15, 23, God said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which has that it is, witchcraft ha has an evil purpose. It is deceptive, deceiving. Rebellion is an attitude that, contradicts authority. Rebellion started from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had one commandment, don't eat of the tree. Well, what happened is they rebelled against God's message, against God's law. They dismissed it as not being too important, and sin means that we fail to listen to God. Sin is failing to listen to God. Well, what is it that God wants? You know, he, 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 he wants us to live a holy life before him. He doesn't say you have to be perfect, that we're always growing in this thing. If you fall down, get up. 
If you, you know, if you need something, you pray for it. If you have a need, you ask for it. If you see a need, you try and meet it. In the same way, we are thankful and praising God for all the good things he's brought into our life. If we can't be thankful for what we have, we'll not be thankful for what we get. The third thing is the sin of unbelief. Unbelief dishonors God. It means that whenever we, I, I think of it in the context that whenever we feel low or down or whatever, God doesn't hear me. God isn't paying attention. We are dishonoring God. One, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows exactly where we're at, and he knows exactly what we're complaining about. <laughs> and he knows exactly what we should do to get out of it or to go on and go through it. So unbelief is just dishonoring to God. It's, it's um, not believing in the truth that he has given to us that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Not believing in the truth that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That we deny his goodness in our life. So unbelief. The, um, the effects of sin is that we love the wrong things. <laughs> we love things that are not, what can we say, that, are, that take us away from God. The Bible says you cannot love God in men, and you cannot love God in things, money. Now, the misquote is um, the love of money. No, money is the root of all evil. No, it isn't. It isn't wrong to have money. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. So people who put more trust in what they have than in God, they are, and it's a displaced trust. So, it, it, so we can have lots of things. We can have, you know, if, if you look back, some of the wealthiest people on the earth were believers and followers of God. We have uh, Job. He was the richest man in the world. We have Solomon, who was the wealthiest king of all time. So we have these people where God has blessed and he has given them great wealth, but also with great wealth comes great responsibility. So as we look um, at the, the first we believe, we believe in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, uh, we have in, in uh, previous messages, we've talked about John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And this is where Jesus encounters Nicodemus. And, you know, Jesus tells him no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, we know that Nicodemus picks up on the analogies that are there and he doesn't quite understand them. How can someone be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter the second time into his mother's womb. So basically Nicodemus is clueless here. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, to say unto you, um, one cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and of the spirit. Jesus was referring here for the need for cleansing. So when we're looking at this relationship we have with God, there is, first of all, a need for, for cleansing. The cleansing is that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sin. And after Christ has forgiven us, washed us away of our sin, we now have the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and abides within us. Everyone who is a Christian, everyone who has confessed their sin, has the Holy Spirit inside. 
Spiritually, it means that God brings a person to new life, that they are born again, they are born from above. The Bible describes the regeneration as a new creation. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what happens is God is in the regeneration, the renewal process, making us like him, making us more in his image. So we are in this growing process. We're not perfect whenever we get, we confess our sins, you're perfect for the rest of your life. Amen, yes. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> so, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel talked about it this way. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. Hmm. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone and your flesh and give you a heart of, uh, uh, your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. That's Ezekiel writing about what happens when God indwells our life. So it is regenerative. It is the creative work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Whenever we, you know, we, we can never be anywhere that God is not. He is everywhere present. But for the believer, God is present in our life working and helping, guiding, directing, teaching, helping us to understand things about life that are important for our spiritual well-being and for our future. We have a new mind. I'm waiting for mine. <laughs> this, this one that I got seems to be short-circuiting. But uh, So we have a new soul, we have a new heart, we have a new outlook. We have a new perspective. Why? Because life isn't over at 40. <laughs> I thought that was a nice number. <laughs> life isn't over at 60. Life isn't over at 90. Life isn't over until it's over and we go home. And until that day comes, we're always growing, and the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts and lives, moving us from, from plateau to plateau, from, from step to step, the Scripture calls it. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to change us completely. There's a change going on inside of us that is the work of the Holy Spirit helping us to understand the Word of God, to understand our position with God and God's position to us. And in this whole process, how He is working through us. Let's look at creation. Man is formed from the dust of the earth. So there's just a pile of dirt, <laughs> kind of shaped, formed like a, a person. And there it lies, lifeless, still. The body, the dust. What happens? The, the body doesn't, doesn't react to its surroundings. Why? There's no life in it. Ah. So when God breathed into his nostrils, that dust ball, when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. Once he was, the breath of life came into him, he now reacted to his surroundings. Well, the same thing happens as with the body, with, as with the soul. Man is surrounded. We have a spiritual world going on around us. We have the angels of heaven. We have the blessings of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God himself in, in and around us. And uh, 
what happens is God did this so that they would seek and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So the scripture is telling us God is no separate, no, God is not so far away as to be just near. He is with us. So people are surrounded by God. But what happens? They don't know God. Some people do not know God, and they live and act as if God were not there. Why? Because they're spiritually dead. They don't perceive and understand what you perceive. They don't understand life and scriptures and why you do what you do because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. They're dead to the spiritual things. We are alive to Christ. And so we will see things differently. We will have a different perspective of life, what we do and don't do, how we talk, where we go, all those types of things. You know, the pride. We have a pride that, that focuses on God and what he has done, the goodness that he has brought to our life. So the quickening, regenerative work of the Holy Spirit makes our spirit alive to God. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quicken you, that quickening is not only for when, after you're dead and going to heaven. That quickening is now alive in you and quickening and helping you to wake up to your surroundings. Wake up to the things that the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you. Second, we believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life. For, for believers, the indwelling means God the Holy Spirit is present in a new way. You see... God is present everywhere, but when we accept Christ as our Savior, he is present in a new way. God the Holy Spirit is present to sustain us and to sustain this personal relationship that we have with God. God doesn't want to lose you. God doesn't want his children to go astray. The 90 and 9, the shepherd leaves the 99 and go looking for the one. God does not want people to go astray. The Holy Spirit is present there in every believer to help us maintain this relationship with God. This is called the indwelling. God indwells. He lives within us. But it, it's, you know, I, it was always a little confusing. Okay, we say we have, okay, I have Jesus in my heart. Okay, then I have, he's washed me of my sins. Then we have the Holy Spirit and we have his indwelling. And God the Father, he's in heaven overseeing all this stuff. So what should I say is inside of me? Is it God? Is it God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Well, yes, it's God the Father. Yes, it's God the Son. And yes, it's God the Spirit. <laughs> okay? But what happens is there is a specific mission, ministry, okay, mission, ministry that each has. Like when Jesus was here, he, he told the people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus says, I've not come to do my own will, but the will of my Father. So Christ forgives us. It's his blood shed upon the cross for the remission of sins. But the Holy Spirit, it's his mission, his ministry, his work to indwell the hearts of people. And so the experience is commonly known as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean Jesus gets up and leaves. <laughs> Holy Spirit's there, not room for both of us. I'm checking out. No, no. 
Jesus is still the one, okay? He forgives us. He died on the cross. The Holy Spirit has come. This, when Jesus, it's important to, I go back to the, um, when Jesus ascended to heaven. And whenever he's ascending, he, he says, I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And it means that one just like myself. So it means that if we would not respond, we, if we do not respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, helping us on the inside, that we would not respond to Jesus standing here talking to us. It's the same. So if we respond and be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit is you have to know the Scriptures because the Holy Spirit will not ask you to do something that's not in the Scriptures. There was, there was a group I remember in Johnstown. This is back, way back. And, you know, they were very much into the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's a lot of strange things that go on when people claim to have the Spirit. Um, but one guy walked off the balcony in the second story. So he thought that he would be okay. He wasn't. <laughs> you know, it's like trying the Spirit. It's like putting God to the test. I believe God wants me to walk off the balcony. Okay. Well, it's like the guy who f walked off the 10-story building. Each floor that he went by, he said, so far, so good. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little joke, I heard. I told you that last week, so. So far, so good. <laughs> so anyhow. So knowing what the scripture says, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. The Holy Spirit will not force anyone to do or say or go where we are not willing to. He will guide us. He will lead us. And what he speaks to us is always, uh, is always part of what the scripture tells us. You know, we'll go on. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, they lost, as it were, the Holy Spirit. They died spiritually. Before that part, they were alive spiritually. God created them alive physically and spiritually. And when they broke God's command, they lost that spiritual connection. And we find that when Jesus came, now we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot be all right, it's like one guy said, is, the, is God in hell? Yes, he is. Because he cannot, there can, there can be no place that God is not there. So God knows what's going on in hell because he's, he's the regulator. <laughs> you know, Satan can't do anything without God's permission. And we find that <clears throat> it's important for us to know that when the Holy Spirit is alive and active in our hearts, that we will be tempted. We're not perfect. That temptations come to everyone, even to Jesus. <laughs> so what happens is we must know the word and know that, the, that God, through, through Jesus Christ, is the one who gives us strength and through the Holy Spirit is the one who leads and guides us. We believe in the Holy Spirit and his workings. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you, who, but you are to be given power when the Holy Spirit has come to you, and you will be my witnesses. So 
the, the message in Acts is that you will receive power. Power, strength. You will receive the strength to do what God has called you to do. Now, the main purpose of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit in the promises is that whenever we read of the Spirit's coming upon someone, or the Spirit fell upon one, or rested upon one, we find that these are just words to describe the Holy Spirit's presence. These individuals are already people who know God. Okay? Um, with all this in place, with the, the knowledge of God, with the knowledge of what God is doing, with our relationship with Jesus Christ in place, we find that in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, I am going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in this city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So we believe that the indwelling of the Spirit is power. It is strength. It is the ability to sense the presence of God. Now, we know that there are, many, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. There are fruits of the Spirit. These are all outworkings of the Holy Spirit. But as Pentecostals, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues or speak in another language as the Spirit enabled them. So baptism is like water baptism in a sense. You are dead to your previous way of life, alive to the newness in Christ. In the Spirit, there is this spiritual awakening, this spiritual power that is in our life that is a quickening that comes from God. So we find in Acts chapter 2, 4, all of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, in other languages, different languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, one of the things is, this is not mumbling. <laughs> this is not mumbo-jumbo, all that kind of stuff. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we have that this is a Pentecost. This is the um, big holiday for the Jewish people. And we find that this big holiday that they have is called Pentecost. And so what happens is all these people from different languages, different countries, and so on, had come to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, they were there, and they heard these people speaking in this unknown language to them, but it was understood to those who were listening. And those who were listening heard God speaking to them through these people who were residents of Jerusalem in the area. They didn't come from these foreign countries, but they were able to understand them and they spread the message. And so the message of what God did at Pentecost is still available to us. It is available for the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives to endue us and empower us with his, with his Spirit. We find that the initial physical evidence the doctrinal term. The initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in Acts chapter 2, 4. They spoke in a language that they did not know. Now, 
in our natural mind, we say, that's impossible. <laughs> that can't happen. But in a spiritual reality, God is able to speak through us, not in mumbo-jumbo, and not just, here, let me teach you to do these syllables. No. It is an empowering of the Holy Spirit. I remember um, in, uh, in Maine, we were, this, we were in, we had a uh, Catholic prayer group held it in the convent. And one of the men that attended there, he was a businessman in town, and he uh, owned a fuel company. And he, he was talking about how that he was just praising God, going down the road and thinking about God and praising God. And the next thing you know, he was speaking in another language. And he says, what happened? <laughs> and he just felt this over, this wonderful sensation of the presence of God. And he began to speak in another language. Now, for individuals who had never heard anything other than their traditional uh, you know, Catholic faith, this was totally new to this, this, this group of individuals. And we were able to, it was the beginning of the charismatic movement and the charismatic work in the church, in, in, you know, in the Catholic church at that time. And we find that it was God doing a work in their lives. And that prayer group still goes on. That prayer group is still going on in northern Maine some 48 years later. <laughs> so the work of the Holy Spirit is something that he does within us. The Holy Spirit is present in every believer. We've said that. It is the indwelling. When we ask Christ to come into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes in, in us. But then there is another work that the Spirit does. And we know also that the working of the Spirit is not only in a prayer language, but we know there is the word of wisdom. There, these are the gifts of the Spirit. There is the word of wisdom, which is the divine impartation or application of the word of God to our life, being wise enough to make a correct decision that doesn't come from our own intellect. That's the word of wisdom. Also, each of these are gifts from God, and they are a word. God doesn't impart all wisdom to us. He gives us a word of wisdom for a particular situation. There is a word of knowledge that God imparts certain facts into our life. You know, <laughs> that we can know things that we wouldn't be able to know in the human intellect. The Holy Spirit helps us. We know that there, are, there is the gift of faith. The gift of faith? The gift of faith is faith that helps us to believe for miracles. James says, if any of you lack faith, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. So that we have a faith to believe in what God wants to do in our life. See, the Holy Spirit is like planting the seed in us that who we are at this moment is not all that there is. God has more for our life. God has a purpose for our life and where he wants to lead us and, and take us. And the Holy Spirit will be there to help us. I'm, I remember, I, you know, there are times whenever, um, oh, I think of my mother. She was, you know, she, she was very, um, very smart. Her mind was always running and always going. And she was shopping in Indiana. And she was going, and she wasn't paying attention. She was just going to cross the street. And as she went to put, step out on, off the curb, she just felt this push on her to step back, and a car came right by. 
that wasn't an intellectual thing. That was a spiritual thing. And there's a spiritual part of us that, that we have to pay attention to. And the importance of this is to know that there are giftings, to know that there are blessings, to know that there are spiritual fruits of love and joy and peace. Patience. 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 Oh, well, that's the wrong record. I stuck on the record there. <laughs> there is the spiritual gift of patience and, you know, joy and peace and patience and long-suffering. You know, these are the workings of God in our life. And it is the Holy Spirit that is doing these things, accomplishing this in our life. And so there is the gifts of healings. There is the working of miracles. There is prophecy, utterances inspired by the Spirit of God. There is the discerning of spirits, knowing what is behind people when they say certain things what they say and what their spirit is can be two different things. And having this sensitivity of your spirit to know the difference, that's the Holy Spirit. There is the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So this, as we look at these things, this is a, a condensed version of the Holy Spirit and his working in our life. But know that if we believe in Jesus, have asked him to forgive us of our sins, the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. And that indwelling presence is our peace, our assurance, our understanding. God will never leave us nor forsake us. He will help us understand the word. He will help us understand life. And what we do and don't do, he will guide us. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, which is a light to our path. We thank you that the Spirit is the one who helps us understand the deep truths of the Scripture, helps us understand the everyday workings that somehow we miss. God, it is the moments that we spend with you that we find the greatest comfort and strength in our life. God, we can ask you for anything because you already know it, and God, you want us to have faith enough to believe that if we ask, we can receive, or we can know that this is not your will. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for how you watch over us and guide us. We ask your blessing to be upon each one. We ask your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of God, to hold our hearts, heal any wounds, give us peace, Guide us, we pray, in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. 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 God bless you.